We come now, brethren, to the preaching of God's Word, and I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Romans, the book of Romans and the 16th chapter, the last chapter of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16. And I'll be reading and preaching this morning on verses 1 through 16. Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 16. I invite you to read along silently as I read aloud. Romans chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. Here Paul writes, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many, and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has also worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the house of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Naderus, and his sister, and Olympus, all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Let's pray together. Our God and Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy today. We thank you for the opportunity to be here in worship together, and we thank you especially for this opportunity to hear your word of God preached. And we would pray, dear Lord, for the work of the Holy Spirit that he would guide us today and help us to understand this text before us this morning. At first glance, it may appear just to be a list of names, and yet we know that your word is truth and it applies to us, and that there is something here for us, many things here for us, that we can learn and profit from this morning. So we would ask for the work of the Spirit this morning to guide us, to give us understanding, to help us to apply your word in such a way that Jesus Christ is honored and glorified. For we ask these things this morning in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. 
Beloved, as we come to this final chapter in Paul's letter to the church at Rome, we discover further evidence of Paul's personal love and concern for the saints who were worshiping and ministering there. For rather than moving quickly to his final comments and his closing benediction, Paul takes the time and he makes the effort to recognize and to acknowledge a number of believers who were associated with Christ's work in Rome and who had been a source of help and encouragement to him in the past and in the present. And in recognizing and acknowledging these believers in the manner that he does here in our sermon text this morning, Paul reveals several things about the church at Rome. I don't know about you, but I love the church of God. I love to learn about other churches. I like to see what God is doing in other churches. And here, Paul gives us a picture of the church of Rome in many senses. First, he reveals to us that although he had never been to Rome, to this particular church, there were many there in Rome who knew of Paul and who had influenced his ministry in one way or another. In fact, as we look at this section of chapter 16, we see that Paul sends personal greetings to no less than 26 individuals, 24 who are named and two individuals who are not named. And this suggests that God had used other people in various ways in Paul's life to prepare him and to urge him to visit Rome whenever God's providence would provide a path for him to eventually make up a congregation. And in the case of the church at Rome, it is clear that some already had a personal relationship with Paul, and some had already been sent by Christ to Rome before Paul to open a pathway for him. So when Paul gets to Rome, he's not a stranger. When Paul gets to Rome, he's not alone, but God has already prepared the way. He has already opened the door. He's already put people there to help Paul and to encourage him, and that should encourage us as well. God places us in particular congregations for a reason. He surrounds us with the people that we need to grow, and that's what God had done here in the Roman church as well. Then secondly, as we look over these personal greetings from Paul, we, we see that the church at Rome was a very diverse congregation. A very diverse congregation, for there were individuals of different diverse backgrounds and races and social standings. For example, we know from this letter itself that the church at Rome had both Jewish and Gentile members. Jewish and Gentile members. And that there were not only slaves among its membership, but also members of the imperial household. In fact, Paul makes a remarkable statement in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22 that there were those within the church of Rome who were of the household of Caesar. Imagine that. 
And so it would not be an exaggeration to say that the church at Rome reflected the diversity of the city of Rome itself, for the church at Rome was a, a melting pot of different people who came from different backgrounds, stated elsewhere as deacon, as deacon. However, in my view, I don't think we can read too much into that single word. It's too much to conclude about her simply because of the use of one word. That word has a, a range of meanings that are often determined by the context that it appears in. But she was recognized even by the Apostle Paul as, as a servant in the church. Second, some have suggested that Phoebe was a servant in the sense that the, the church trusted her to do several things on behalf of the church and on behalf of its leadership. She was trusted by the church and even by the leadership to do certain things on behalf of the church, entrusted with this letter. This inspired epistle from the Apostle Paul to the church at Rome. Paul wants to make sure that as she goes there, she's well received by the church for the importance of the work that she is doing. For notice what Paul says here in verse 2 of, of chapter 16. He says that they should welcome her in a way worthy of the saints, and they should help her in whatever she may need. And this language clearly suggests that Phoebe had been sent on a mission, that she had been sent on a divine errand of one kind or another, and that Paul was not only concerned that she be given an appropriate welcome as a valued believer and servant, but that she be seen and respected as one who actively served the Lord, as one who had a distinguished history of serving others and Paul in the past. Notice that Paul states here at the end of verse 2 that Phoebe had been a patron of many and of myself as well. And this word for Patron, prostatus, refers to one who is not merely an ordinary helper, but a person of esteem and a person of means who enables others to pursue their calling. 